So, what is worship? You have gathered today for worship, but as mentioned, worship is much more than gathering and singing songs and being with others who have a kindred spirit to worship. What is worship? She said, it's the outpouring of our lives, led by the Spirit, rooted in God's truth, devoting all that we are and all that we do to Him. To who? Our Creator. It's ascribing worthiness to the one alone who is worthy. Worship is worthship. But where does our heart of worth migrate towards? Does your heart migrate towards the things of God and God Himself? Or does your heart migrate to other enticements in life that pull you in different kinds of directions? Today we are finishing up two months' worth of a series. And in the series we have talked about some of the other distractions of life. They're actually sacred gifts that were given by God, but we can easily turn them into toxic idols. And today we come back around to finish out this series to place where that worship, that worship needs to ultimately be. The one true worship. Now here's my encouragement to you this morning. You may think, check, got that in my life. I don't know about you, maybe you're good. But for me, I have to recalibrate every week, almost every day, who is receiving the one true worship. What is receiving the one true worship? If I was to look at my schedule for the day, if I was to look at my checkbook for the week, right? If I was to look at uh, other kinds of uh, opportunities and things that sort of fill my life, would it speak that I have a heart for one true worship? And one true worship isn't only the manner in which you worship, it's talking about the one who alone is worthy, the Creator Himself. And so it's good to be able to gather every seven days to remind one another, encourage one another. And if you are new this morning, thanks for coming. We're glad you're checking things out. We're glad to have you here. And our encouragement to you is what we're talking about today, that you would have a heart to worship God because we are pulled in so many different directions. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different today in that I want to do a little bit of a recap, but then we're going to open it up to hear what maybe God has spoken to you about in your life during the course of these two weeks as we've made this journey. We framed up a lot of the series out of Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation to all those who believe. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth with their wickedness. Since what may be known about God has been made plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men 
are without excuse. It's the beginning of Romans. Paul's treatise, the letter that he wrote in prison to the Christians in Rome and reminding them of their faith, he starts out and he starts out with a, a reality check and then he starts to roll from there. And the reality check then grips him, speaks from his writing concerning the reality of the world in which we live. And so he steps from that statement I just spoke to you to saying this in verse 21. For although they knew God. Can I pause right there on this? A lot of times when we think, oh, the wicked, you know, they suppress the truth of their wickedness, right? And they're, they're often, and God's judgment or his wrath is upon them. You're thinking like, it's all those other kind of people. But he is looking and speaking directly to people who acknowledge God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and you can be guaranteed of that the one true worship if you begin to migrate away from that one true god you are guaranteed that your thinking all right is going to become futile and your heart will become darkened i don't know about you but i don't i don't like that kind of accusation what do you mean i'm futile and I'm dark and I think yeah that's just not a good characteristic right so he's exhorting them even if you know God this morning that you reestablish that one true worship because a lot of people even Christians we spend our week not glorifying him or giving thanks and we're consumed with the other things although they claim to be wise they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the grading of their bodies with one another. God gave them over to all different kinds of things in reality, and it's described thereafter. But then he says this in verse 25. They exchanged the truth about God for an outright smacking big lie and worship and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised the time of paul the time of today is the same because there's still human beings walking around and gathered here including the one on the stage we are prone to exchange the glory of God and move into other things with our worship. Oh, it's not that we sing about those things, but where our life, all that we do, all that we say, as described in that earlier uh, impactful kind of understanding of what worship is, it speaks. Our life speaks that our worship is somewhere else other than with God. The series before the one we'd stepped into was a book study through 1 John. And if you remember, 1 John ended very sort of abruptly with just a simple exhortation from the Apostle John. Two Christians. Two Christians, 1 John was written. And he simply said, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Period. Done. John. Really? Yeah. The exhortation to keep ourselves from idols and we made mention earlier in the series that Tim Keller, he said, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. 
anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give what only God can give. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. And so we walk through, we walk through three huge gifts that God gives to us, but Satan corrupts and he turns them into toxic idols. We talked about money, sex, and power. Money is the currency to gain what you value. And God gives us provision, but that provision can be turned into a God that we pursue, an idol that we value what that money, the material things in life can provide for us to fill what we fill is a hole that can go, is going to be met by provisions and lifestyle. Sex, sex is the pleasure that you and I desire to, to receive and to give. And we talked about that sex is not anything that we should ever be ashamed of or pulled back from because God created sex because he made us sexual beings. But just like other kinds of gifts that Satan uh, is upset that God has given to us, he takes sexuality and he begins to turn it and pivot it so that it's something that we pursue in and of itself, even the, the physical intimacy in and of itself, separate unto other things. They're involved in human sexuality. And then he begins to, and it's so true in our culture, he begins to get us defined by our sexuality, even our gender, rather than being defined by our humanness and being made in the image of God. And so sex is a great gift from God, but it becomes a toxic idol when it's placed as a God in our life. And then we spent the last couple of weeks on power. Power is the capacity to get what you want, to make things happen. From the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, God made human beings to rule, subdue, and have dominion over the earth. And so he said, have at it. Name the animals. Take care of things. But then sin entered because they doubted God. And they thought he was maybe tricking them and holding something back. And they wanted that power. And so they stepped outside of stewarding the power, the rightful ability for us to make things happen. And they began to pursue self-interest unto themselves and so power too is a sacred gift some of you are horse powered up this week you made some pretty cool things happen maybe in your business in your home maybe uh, in an educational world good job but don't ever let it become an idol and we said that these three things are really just uh, um, three of many we either worship god in this life where we exchange God for the worship of something else. Money, sex, power, fame, family, pleasure, leisure. Anything can become an idol for us if it consumes our sense of what our worth is and where we want to uh, 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 attribute worth and value above God, who Him alone is the one true worship. So, you good with this? 
Some of you say, I've been here for two months, Carrie. I got that down. I got, let's, let's move on to the next thing. We're moving on to the next thing, and, and I'm looking forward to next Sunday with Thanksgiving. And not only do we have baptisms next Sunday, and I trust that if you've never been baptized after, after becoming a follower of Jesus, you, you would make interest on your card or talk to me afterwards or Pastor Oliver or somebody. We'd, we'd like to have a big celebration next week of several people who've become followers of Jesus or to acknowledge that they've become followers of Jesus. We're also going to have rooted testimonies next week of the almost 45 people who've been through rooted for these weeks. So we're, we're moving on next week, but there's something that causes me to pause here today and say, what work has God done in your life over this series? Has he taught you something? Has he reminded you of something? Has he corrected maybe a lifestyle in your life? Has God revealed something to you of Scripture that causes you to have a bigger heart of the one true worship? And so um, I'm going to ask Pastor Zach. He's around here somewhere. There he is. And he's got a microphone. So we're going to take a few moments here. Don't be too anxious. If the moments don't happen, then we'll just keep moving on. But there's something, I think, that God wants to encourage us one about to another. You know, in the New Testament, they gathered in homes. This is just a big house, all right? We're a family as a church. And they shared in the apostles' teaching and the encouragement of one another. And sometimes the word that God's given you, now you don't need to go off being a doing a bunch of preaching, right? That's my job. No. It's, is that, you know, make it succinct. This is what God's done. This is what God spoke to me about. Concerning what's in this series related to the one true worship, related to us staying true to receiving the sacred gifts God's given us, but staying clear of them becoming toxic idols. Or I'm even game today, if you want to try to stump the pastor, to ask me a question. So you can ask a question concerning this series. I was really confused on that part. Or, hey, Carrie, go back to the sex. Could you unpack that thing a little bit more? No, you, if you have got questions there, you can ask a question too. But um, just raise your hand. We'll have you stand up. Just, you'll give your first name and then just speak into the mic and, and uh, just acknowledge maybe a word of praise that God's done. All right. Who wants to go? Anybody? Anybody going to be the start? This series, anything God's been speaking to you about? Here we go. All right, we're in the back. Hi, I'm Frank. Uh, one of the people you quoted in your sermon on sexuality was Aria Butterfield. Yes. That's what really hit me deeply because I went and watched one of her actually hour-long sermons on YouTube. And hearing her speak to how she was saved, and the pastor and his wife that, that spoke to her and met with her mm. and how they revealed the word to her, uh, no judgment, no pushing. Uh, it just really hit me deeply that this person's, that her, she was saved eternally because they took exactly the right path to save her. Uh, and I, it really resonated with me. Thanks, uh, Frank. Uh, um, I w watched some of her videos, too, and her testimony, and I mean, uh, we took that week on the whole issue of sexual identity and, and gender confusion kind of things. It was a tedious subject for us to walk through that week, but she helped me as well just to hear her testimony coming out of uh, that world and how appropriately that she was led to consider that maybe God had something more for her than defining her life by that sexuality issue. Yes. 
Good morning. Thank you for your uh, obedience. Uh, I just want to thank you because I stepped into this church for the first time, I think it was maybe two weeks ago, and you were teaching on sex, which I thought was very bold. I don't <laughs> see that in too many churches. So I was really grateful because I was in the middle of deciding if whether I should uh, partner with a gentleman that wanted sex. And I'm a woman of faith, so it was very difficult. But when I stepped foot here, I heard my father in heaven tell me, daughter, you're going to wait. You're going to wait, daughter. Amen? So I feel that God saved me. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing today. And I'm back here because I believe there's so much wisdom coming out of this church. So uh -huh. thank you. Thank you so much. That's a great testimony. God's at work using his truth to hear as a daughter from heaven his word to your heart. That's very encouraging. Someone else, something God's spoken to you or reminded you of in this series? Or a question? Hi, I'm Greg. And uh, I just want to thank you, Carrie. Uh, this is probably one of the most important and impactful series I've ever heard. And, um, you know, I <coughs> I'm sorry. I look at my life and just see that you know where my focus is mm. and uh and see where i need to be and uh so it's you know hit home with me and uh and i see that i need to worship the true god and uh mm. and not myself or other things so i appreciate that thank you mm. thanks greg just that enticement of god realigning our life from prior years and otherwise yes that's good isn't it good to sit around a family table and just hear from one another a little bit, you know, not be the spectator, but be the participant? Yes. Hi, my name is Randall. Um, I just want to thank you, Pastor Kerry, and everyone here that's um, involved in just everything ev everyone does every week. And um, to hear this series along with Rooted um, at the same time mm. has really helped to um, break some strongholds in my life. And I just want to thank you because going through this and rooted at the same time was just incredible so <laughs> sort you. of a one-two punch that god did on you right yeah that's good yeah it was amazing uh, rooted as a 10-week discipleship journey we're finishing out this week for the three groups that are doing it and so many things did align even in my own life as i was working uh being a part of the groups and then uh with what the series was yes uh hi matthew it's fine <laughs> So um, I that was power. See, I can have power. I just made no. <laughs> That's a joke from a couple Is weeks that ago. A title? Okay. So, anyways, um, so I just wanted to say thank you for the part on the gender and the sexuality and stuff like that. As someone that has kids that is mm. raising children, it's really hard with everything out there. Like we don't know what's going on and what they get hit with in schools and stuff like that. It's kind of really hard to talk to them about it. And so, sitting through that day, I feel like I have a little bit more. I'm better equipped, if you will, mm. to be able to have that conversation as that stuff comes up, to be able to answer it in a more Christian and kingdom way than I would have been able before. Mm. So thank you. Thanks, Matthew. It's really good to hear. You need to know, you're fine. I, um, I'm in that boat too as a parent, and it's so easy for us to, to get insecure on the subject matter itself, for us not to know even maybe where to go biblically. And so though we just spent one week directly parked on that, I really want to encourage all of us um, to not get upset with the way the world maybe is, right? 
but to say, okay, what's behind this? There's always a hunger behind the sins of uh, our life and the sins that are around us. And that hunger really is in what our true identity is and moving people to identity issues as related as a human being made in the image of God and not being defined by our sexuality, whether past practices, present practices, all that. God will realign, just like your testimony over here. God's Spirit speaks to the hearts of people. You don't have to badger them. You don't have to be judgmental. But you are encouraged to get them to dig out their ears, to line themselves before God, and let the Spirit just speak. And we need to do that with our children, with identity issues. Good. Someone else. Wow, this will be tricky. You're holding a baby. We'll let you stay seated. How's that? Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Mark. Uh, basically, I'm, uh, I'm definitely blessed with the, the topic of money, sex, and power. I mean, in the past eight years of our marriage, um, basically, my wife used to be a direct worshiper at church in the Philippines, and we were out of the, uh, she was out of that worship, uh, and that's because first is, as a young couple, we're here to try to build our financial status and making sure that we're good here in the, uh, in the U.S., but at the same time, uh, in the career path that I was in, power, right, like, as I progressed, I was getting promoted, 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 and we kind of lost track of what the real truth is, mm. and therefore, you know, at the end, I was definitely blessed that my, you know, we found this church itself. Uh, God led us to this church, and my wife is uh, now here worshiping, and definitely blessed with that. Uh, and then from there, it's just a blessing as day goes on. Uh, spiritually, I'm growing within the, mm. the straightforward, uh, you know, creator of ours. My uh, son himself, you guys can see him out there. Uh, giving out like those little uh, the flyers out there and uh, definitely bless and definitely a great topic all, overall. Thank you, Mark. That's a great word of testimony. And we are blessed to have you as a family here and for Sierra leading us in worship from the keyboard a lot. Good. Anyone else? Something else that God uh, just reminded you of in this series or just a word of affirmation down front here. Getting Zach his exercise today. Hi, my name is Karen, and this is a first for me, so I'm really nervous. <laughs> but um, as a older parent of a special needs child, I was constantly worried about her future mm. financially, and you know who was going to take care of her and how she was going to be taken care of. So I found myself really um, denying our family of having fun times and kind of mm. hoarding money to put away and save. But I realized that I wasn't building memories with her mm. when I'm here and that it was much more important for me to trust God that he was going to take care of her when mm. I'm gone. And so um, it, I'm a work in progress, but I'm starting to let go of that and maybe not be such a financial hoarder anymore <laughs> and build memories with her and not money for when I'm gone. Oh, that's a great word of testimony, Karen. Thank you. That is a, a journey of so many of our families who have special needs, uh, children and young adults that are part of our community. Hi. My name is McKenna. I'm really nervous right now. 
Um, I'm trying not to cry because I don't know why I'm crying, but like I'm really nervous. Anyway, um, it's really important to make memories of family, and I don't have a lot of money because I'm trying to earn money to like buy Christmas presents for family and friends. And it's just good to live in the moment, and instead of like trying to earn money, you can just have like in the moment. Like I'm trying to earn money to buy presents, so. I would like to buy a present for Bailey here, and but I'm trying to live in the moment and just hang out with her, and make sure that it's all, all like fun and stuff. Thank you, McKenna. That's uh, <laughs> that simple phrase, just live in the moment. You know, I was uh, encouraged in my younger years to live in the present moment. It's the closest you can get to eternity, because eternity is just continuous present moments. So that's good. Hi, uh, good morning, everyone. My name's uh, GJ, and uh, uh, Carrie, I really have liked the, uh, the topic you've had, but more importantly, and as importantly, um, I really encourage all you men, because I've had the added benefit of uh, being in our men's group every Saturday morning and being able to talk about the issues that we, that Carrie preaches about and to be vulnerable and to tell, tell it like it is and not be scared to, uh, to hide anything. So uh, I really appreciate that and mm, I you. appreciate uh, the men who are there. And uh, again, I would encourage any and all men to come and hang out with us on Saturday morning because uh, it's a, uh, it's something that you get a lot of, I know I get a lot of uh, good feelings from it for, uh, for just trying to be uh, Christ-like. So thanks. Thank you, GJ. That's so true. We had a good group last week. We had, I mean, this, yesterday, I guess it was, three new people that hadn't been there before. That's so good, yeah. Eight o'clock on Saturday. Now we're going to take a, a break for the holidays, but this Saturday we're on. Anyone else? One or two? I, Go down here. You can do Becky first, and then it goes Gus. I'm Becky. Um, interestingly enough, that um, it's so easy to forget what an idol is, and we do mm. kind of, I think, all tend to picture this Buddha or this thing. <laughs> um, so it really opened my eyes to where things were there that I mm. could easily justify in any other way. Um, I remember first week thinking my home. I think my home has become mm. an idol, and who would have thought? Um, interestingly enough, we, we were trying to remodel, and we had the first architect get hit by a motorcycle. The second architect got COVID, and it wasn't until I really started thinking this through and how my mind was working towards mm. things that I just realized I had to let it go, give it to him, and be good with it. Um, which we now have uh, an architect and things are moving through very well. I, I've been in the same job at work for five mm. years and opportunity for promotions have come and I've always said, no way, nuh-uh, I don't want it, you can't make me. It doesn't matter how much you would pay me. Ironically or graciously, this message has helped me understand how power can work mm. for good yeah. Um, and I was given a promotion effective on Sunday of last week. 
very, uh. very coincidental. <laughs> um, but I really, truly feel that I'm in a place where I can understand how power can help. That's good. That's a great context in which to put Thank it. Thank you, you Becky. Message. Yes. I'm personally um, touched um, and involved in a family situation where gender identity is a really big, big stronghold mm. um, for, for my family. So I can't tell you enough how wonderful this series has uh, been. It's everything we needed to hear. That's Thank good. You. We love them, yes. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm Gustavo Garcia. And uh, coming here has taught me a lot that I should have already known. You know, because uh, you know, I've been spoiled all my life. I've never, I've never missed anything. I've had everything I ever wanted. And anything I ever wanted, I've gotten. But coming here has taught me how to care, love with respect. That is the hardest thing that you can't buy it. It's something you have to learn and earn and it's it's hard you know even even now when i do it i still grumble you know i mean my my neighbor you know she's you know her mom just passed away and she was out there trying to do a big job and you know I, I, it's not that i care it's just like i had to do something so i said no 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 Nah, I'll take care of this. Just, just don't worry about it. And yeah, yeah, it, it, it cost me. But you know, when it's all said and done, it wasn't me. I was being obedient. Mm. And that, that's what I've learned here. Being obedient and living the way you're supposed to is not an easy task. It's not for the weak. You know, you grow strong. And this, this here, one helps the other and helps the other, and pretty soon we're strong. Hmm. And uh, that's what I've learned here that I've never learned anywhere else. But I'm, I'm picking up. But that's about it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I've had the joy of being in a rooted group with Gus and his wife, Debbie, and I think for all of us, Gus, God can't teach us old dogs new tricks, right? He continue to be in obedience to him. One or two more, are we good? Uh, maybe something that God has for you, sir? Sure. We've got to see your presence. I don't want to have to talk because I don't want to have to stand. Um, <laughs> by the way, I just realized these fans are insanely huge um, <laughs> and purple and green. Um, but yeah, so... I, I think this was awesome. It always makes me recalibrate. I think in general, especially regarding idols, so thanks for saying that, Becky. In general, I think a lot of times we have like a track that we're on and we think we're doing right. And I think our heart needs to constantly be, God, is my heart still worshiping you first in primary and not these idols around mm. us? And it's hard to find idols because um, I was always taught that idols are where your heart's invested. So it's where your time mm. and your treasure is, right? That's what Matthew 6, 21 says, right? Where your 
treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to, if you guys ever need to kind of touch your pulse and go, hey, where am I? You know I mean, where's my heart at? It's a very easy way to just kind of go, you know what, my treasure is in the wrong place. Where's my money going? And yeah. where's my time going? And this entire, um, like, what would you call it? Series. This whole series has really kind of made me go, okay, well, where's my treasure? Where's my mm -hmm. heart? Where, am I worshiping God in spirit and truth? Or am I still kind of making my primary mm -hmm. focus beyond the things that I think are my goals or what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? So thank you for that. Thank you much. Thank you, Saint. His name is Saint, but he's also a saint. So thank you, Saint. All right. Are we good? Or is there, was there one more that we needed to run with? God's... Oh, down front here. Yes. Hello, I'm Princess. Um, the day you spoke about the gospel of hope amidst cultural confusion, and you had given us 10 truths about the gospel of Christ. One thing that you said on that day that I thought was very profound was the fact that there's always hope no matter where we find ourselves. I feel like sometimes it gets a little difficult, especially when we're going through different seasons of life and you may not know maybe like where your rent is going to come from at the end of the month or that marriage is probably heading towards divorce or whatever it may be. And just wanting to remain hopeful that at the end of the day, all things are going to work together for your good or at mm. the end of the day, God is going to make a way. Sometimes it might be difficult. But you speaking on that just reminded me of the fact that there's no situation that is beyond um, the capability of God's um, possibilities. Mm -hmm. and, and so I thought that was very profound. But then another thing that you also said on that day was that Jesus has made a way for all of us to experience restoration um, in our relationship with God. And sometimes we're so quick to, to judge ourselves and to judge others or to throw in the towel on ourselves, or sometimes we feel as though um, maybe the life I once used to live or this thing that I've done, there's no coming back from that. I don't see how God can forgive me. I don't know how I can yeah. bounce back, but we just have to understand in those moments that it doesn't matter the addictions or the sin. If we're only able to come to a point of a place of repentance, a place of understanding that because Christ has paid it on the cross for us since he had formed that bridge between us yeah. and whatever it was and that gap that we're filling away from God right back to God and knowing that if only we can just find our way back to Christ then we'll be able to mend the relationships or get back on track with God and in our relationships so I thought that was really profound and one thing I love most about this church is the word and every Sunday that's what keeps me coming back so thank you for your teachings. Thank you, Princess. That's, hey, that's a good word that you gave us today. Well, you want to know that my heart is uh, filled with joy, as I know that your hearts probably are as well, when you hear these words of testimony, because God's on the move. He's at work. Sometimes in our world, we wonder, is God at work? Are things changing? You know, maybe some things are changing in your life, but you look at others. And so when you pull up seats around the family table and just hear from one another, and we, we'll do this every now and then, that kind of thing, but it's just rich because we're not solo operators in pursuing the one true worship. 
we are together as a community of Christ followers. Or even if you've not become a Christ follower, as a seeker of God, and you're trying to figure it all out, that we are a community. And there's beauty in the worship of the community. And what you just shared, as surely as if you sang at the top of your voice on some worship song, what you just shared and how you were endeared and how you affirmed through a, a hand clap or something, that is worship. We are attributing worth to the God who is on the move at work in our life. And he is making sure that uh, we don't stray too far. Because sometimes that conviction of the Spirit pulls us back in. And some of your words were very transparent today related to the conviction aspect of God speaking in your life. We either worship God in this life or we exchange God for the worship of of something else. It's an ongoing, everyday choice for the one true worship. I want to share with you a story that you are probably very familiar with. It's a story that's found in John chapter 12, and we're just going to highlight it because there's a couple things here that just sort of help us bring um, this series to a close and just the culmination of, of God's word for us. It's a story of Jesus with his disciples. It's a story that happened right before um, he went to the cross. It was a part of that week. He was coming into Jerusalem, and it says this in John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Now, in Bethany is a town just right outside Jerusalem. It's not too far, a small town, but we've heard stories about him hanging in Bethany, and the reason he hangs in Bethany is because he's got some really, really, really good friends. My family had the opportunity this week to, to connect with some really, really good friends from our history and past. Our kids grew up together, and they were over in Dana Point, so we all went over there and sat around a big table, and, and, and we caught up with one another. We're encouraged by one another. So Jesus is he's on his way to what is going to be the culmination of his mission here on earth, which was to lay down his life for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, be raised from the dead, the transformation that would come by breaking the power of sin, the power of Satan. But he's got a lot before him in that week. And so here he comes strolling in to little Bethany outside of Jerusalem with his entourage, his disciples with him. And they go to the house of the best friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus, if you remember that story, raised from the dead. Can you imagine sitting around with a guy that was dead for the days that Lazarus was and say, hey, you're shaking that off a little bit? You okay now, Lazarus? What you, what's going on? I'm sorry. I just sort of try to put myself in these situations. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The perfume that she poured on Jesus, which was really symbolic and foreshadowing, it was an anointing, if you will, as he was heading in this week, and she never even really fully understood what she was doing, but God had ordained this moment. It was uh, so expensive it could have easily been a year's worth of salary. 
the Purnard came from India, which was you know, 2,000 miles away from where they live. So the caravan, the transportation of it, it, it came from uh, a root of a plant there, but it was very well uh, known as an expensive perfume, but it would be a perfume that would be placed on uh, uh, individuals for significant reasons and not to be easily discarded. And she had this treasure of perfume uh, a jar in her house, and, and maybe she was keeping it for a dowry or something. We don't know, but it would be reserved. But here Jesus comes, and, and a meal was given in this honor, and, and she breaks out this bottle, and, and she pours. It wasn't like, hey, a little dabble here, that kind of thing. She pours this perfume over him, and then she wipes it away with the hair from her feet and wherever else she anointed him. And all the others are sitting around watching this. They don't fully know, right, what's ahead of Jesus for this moment. But Jesus is touched by this. He's honored by this. And uh, even uh, having had the journey of them being best friends for, for Mary to take this initiative, uh, was, it was just a humbling kind of awestruck moment. And can, can you imagine, you ever been around, right? Some of you walked in here today, you had some perfume on and, and you filled up the room maybe, I don't know. Maybe you poured it on yourself, right? It's like, oh, wow, that's a pretty strong perfume there, right? Can you imagine the, the aroma in that house? Jesus, he's had the bottle poured on him, expensive, really good perfume. And, and, and he's in a place where it's like, wow, it's, that's a strong odor. So it wasn't just on Jesus, it got on everyone else. In fact, um, her wiping Jesus' feet with a hair, maybe that wasn't just sort of trying to make sure that everything was used, but she was identifying herself with Jesus in the beauty of this because she had a very close relationship with Jesus. This is the Mary Martha story where Martha's busy making the meal and Mary's sitting at his feet learning, which women weren't allowed to do in that day too much because the rabbi had the guys around him, you know, and she sort of broke into the guy group. And, and here's Mary because Mary's endeared him and Martha's out there going, can you tell my sister to get out here in the kitchen and help me? All right. I mean, this is the kind of stories going on. Mary had this attachment she had a heart of worship, the one true worship. And it wasn't only the true worship, the one of alone, the creator God came in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who she was given her worship to. The manner in which she was given it showed that she had these no other idols kind of thing. Jesus, you're the one who I'm worship. And so pours this perfume on his feet and wipes it up and the aroma is filling the house. But one of the disciples... Ah, uh, yes. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected and said, why isn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Oh, you're so frugal, Judas. Was that his intent? That was not his intent at all when he spoke up. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag and the entourage of the disciples, he used, to, used it to help himself to what was put into it. I can't believe, why don't you just give me the bottle of perfume and I could have went and sold it on the street. And my goodness, that would have really added to the money bag. And then I wouldn't have had you know, so much of a, a concern about maybe slipping out a part of that for myself. And you just want to say, Judas, 
Would you live in the present moment? Mary is endeared to the one true worship, God Himself here, and she's pouring out her, her love and adoration and honoring Him. And He's thinking about what? Himself. Because He's got idols. Money, that's identifiable. Sex, I, you know, He was probably jealous of the relationship that those who endeared themselves like Mary did had to him because he didn't have that kind of relationship. He was seeking for self-identity and, and for whatever reason, because of his self-centeredness, he didn't have that connection point with Jesus. And then power, he always wanted the power. He thought the money would help with that. In fact, it said, you know, when he, Jesus went to the cross and Judas betrayed him, that maybe Judas, he wasn't such an ugly in doing that. Maybe, maybe Judas was just trying to get Jesus to stop away from this, uh, uh, to stop being this shy, little, timid kind of Messiah and step out and take control over the Romans and set the Jewish people free. So if I betray him, then maybe he'll discard that and he will attack and, and take on this Messiahship like the Jewish people envisioned one becoming a king, an earthly king. So even in that regard, though, what's the idol? Power. And Jesus, as we looked at a couple weeks ago or last week he flipped that at the cross because he took the power to call down 10,000 angels and he was obedient to death even death on a cross Judas you think you struggle with idols Judas had him going on all over the place what do you think Jesus did what were you done in that moment if you were Jesus I don't know He's so gracious in some places, I probably would have lost it. I love what it says here, though, in verse, uh, the next verse. It says, leave her alone, Jesus replied. Do you think Jesus replied, said, oh, come on now, leave her alone? Or do you think he got some righteous anger? Judas! 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 Leave her alone! Go do your idol stuff. This is the heart of one true worshiper giving worship to the one and only God. Leave her alone, he said. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He knew what stood before him and going to the cross that very week. Just as surely as God had ordained certain things that happened through all of history where his hand would move, Moses, Abraham, David, you, you have a divine moment here where she's the first one to anoint Jesus' body concerning his death. And that aroma, some people think that that aroma was so strong and got so much into him because of what she did that that aroma carried with him that week. And when he was being ripped open with whips when he was being crucified and all the uglies that were going on in that tragic moment he could smell still the perfume and be reminded she not only anointed she gave a gift that carried through to the cross that would have been one of honor and worship to Jesus I share you this story 
because it contrasts two people. Someone who was enticed by the toxic idols of this world. And one who understood the sacred gifts of a good, good father that we sang about this morning. And came into an intimate relationship following Christ. Which character do you and I identify with? Well, we don't want to identify with Judas. That would be a horrendous thought. But do we identify with the heart of worship of the one true worshiper in this story that's found in Mary from Bethany? We either worship God in this life or we exchange God for the worship of something else. I want us to spend a few moments here in a second for you to reflect on that question and see if maybe before you leave here today there's some recalibration in your own life that needs to happen. It's an ongoing journey for me as your pastor. This week in one of the rooted groups, uh, we had one more person to share their story, and they said, I can't share my story unless you also share your story, Carrie. And I forgot I hadn't really shared my, what we call our three to five minute story. Embedded in that story, I was reminded of God's unique work of faithfulness in my own life. It was eight years ago this Sunday morning. That's hard. It's ironic, I guess, God. It was eight years ago this Sunday morning that Melissa and I and our family, it was our first Sunday in this church. This church was known as Chorus Church at the time. It was over by French Valley Airport. And God brought us here from some pretty hard knocks. I had stepped out of ministry for a year. Some of you are familiar with this journey of ours. My wife and I, when we got married, we started a church in a um, professional suburb of Indianapolis, Indiana, northwest side, Zionsville. God's favor was upon us, and he went before us. And that church that we started with no people, no building, no money, it grew to be a significant ministry with two different uh, campuses. Uh, the main campus was this is in the Midwest. It's not like down here where everything's so stinking expensive. But, you know, it was 94 acres. We built a huge 80,000-square-foot facility. It was ministering a lot, and we were seeing people's lives changed. I felt that I was staying clear from grandiose moments or sense of, uh, you know, hey, you know, appreciation or look at me kind of stuff for us as a church. And God was faithful in that during the journey, a lot of hard knocks up and down here and there, but uh, the body responded to the Lord's leading. I mean, it was a, uh, we had three huge basketball courts that were premier courts that transitioned into a a worship auditorium. If we wanted to 2,500 people, we had some of the top tier Christian concerts that would come through. We started a satellite campus on the west side of town and had some property that God allowed us to get there and a really nice facility. And, and we took a 20-year sabbatical break. And when we came back from that break, in 2012, there was some dissonance that, long story short of it, we chose not to push through, but we chose to resign. And that was hard. I wounded me a lot. 
wounded my wife a lot. And uh, I stepped out of ministry for a year, went back and did the agribusiness, the farming life with my brothers and my parents. And then God brought us here. God brought me here with a lot of passion and heart and energy, but he brought me here as a one true worshiper. Because God will do whatever he needs to do in our life sometimes to make sure that we're not pursuing and chasing these things. You see, I want to make big things happen for God. I remember coming to this valley and I said, we're going to rock the valley for Jesus, right? But there can be a subtle undertone edge to that of seeking self-prominence. And as I've gotten older and God's done a work in me, I start to cringe when I see self-promotion. And I'm like, Lord, keep me away from that. Keep us away from that as a body of people. And so I've been on this journey, and I would have to say to you that one thing that was an enticement for me to exchange the glory of God was I exchanged the glory of the worship of the one true God for worshiping good Christian work and prominence. Some things can be so subtle for us. God healed us up from that, much to this community, and as we've traveled through the years, I remember coming eight years ago, and I'm like, wow, I get another chance at this. Thanks, God, that I get to do ministry, and you're faithful. And, you know, things heal up from the past. God bless them. And, and, uh, and, and what's happening with that church movement today. And, and uh, even have some people sometimes that watch online from that church and that kind of thing. And so the blessing resides there. I still don't fully understand what happened. Probably 98% of the people like, why'd Pastor Kerry just resign kind of thing. But for whatever reason, the whole, the whole crucible just came to this place where God said, do you trust me, Kerry? And I said, okay, I trust you. I had no idea, no idea what he was going to do in my life. All I knew was he said, let go and you'll be okay. I'll take care of you. And I made that step. And that step was an act of worship. My wife made that step. My kids, my gosh, dad, what's going on? This is the only environment that we've known of worship. But God's been faithful in that. Because it's not about what we do, it's about who he is. And he's at work in our life to make us like Christ. And if Christ gave his life up on a cross for all of us, I could surely lay down a ministry that I'd given 20 years to, that I was so confident God was in the middle of working with. Three years ago, we were able to get this facility. We moved to this location. Fifteen months ago, we were able to purchase this facility. Church isn't a building. We talk about that all the time. Church is the, the community of Christ, right? But it's great to have a facility rather than do the setup, tear down every week kind of deal. That helps a little bit. And be able to have a building you can use during the week and do outreach and other kinds of stuff. So facilities are good, and I like this facility. And, and when we moved into this Marietta Crossings retail area, it's like, well, there's other facilities here. And if, if God so blessed us and it was his calling for us to grow numerically, that kind of thing, then, then that's great. God, this is good. It's a good visible thing. Some of you are here today because you drove by and saw our sign. So God's at work. 
We're healed up. We're good. This was a healthy church. If you're new this morning, this is a healthy church. I know there's a lot of church problems going to happen, and we've had our fair share, and we'll have some probably more tomorrow. Who knows? But th this is not a big political beast here. There's not some ugly agendas here. I think it's a good community. We're trying to get to know. This is a good church because, you know, as Princess and some others have you shared in your testimony, I, I believe God's at work in this church, and his word is being taught not just for Sunday morning, but in the midst, and we're trying to be followers of him. So I'm really glad. I'm excited for where we're at. But you need to know that a year ago this time, I was also informed that there was going to be another church that was going to move into our complex. Some of you are familiar with this and what's happened. They were given um, uh, their conditional use permit just a couple, three weeks ago. I've never said anything publicly to us as a community. I found out about it uh, a year ago, uh, ended up having an opportunity to meet with the pastor, and uh, his name's Jim Jackson, he's uh, from Orchard Church, and they've been a very fast-growing church, they run about 2,000 people from my understanding right now, and uh, we shared a little bit, but in that meeting with him, I found out not only were they uh, buying and going to move their main church down to the Scandinavian center in the, in the middle of Marietta Crossings, but that uh, I was told in that meeting that they also had leased the building 50 feet from us for their church uh, ministry center for youth and for children and that kind of thing. It's a building that some of us have walked through to look about maybe what the future held or something. You just need to know this. <laughs> that whole thing of God doing the gut check on one true worship has been worked in my heart afresh and anew. And we will be neighboring churches. I don't know when they'll end up moving in, but you know our blessing is upon them as a church. Not scared of them, not worried about them, that kind of thing. You know, I, I trust I'm trying to steward what God's called us to, and people give it sacrificially here and all that. But I've always said when I came to Rock the Valley here that there's only one true church, and that's the church of Jesus Christ, and that's true. So God bless them, and, and, and we will be good neighbors. But I tell you what, there's gut checks in my heart. Do I have concerns about parking? Do I have concerns about ingress and egress? You betcha. And we made those concerns known to their church, to the city, to the HOA that runs this complex. All those things, logistic-wise, trying to understand how you, we partner together or, or do things fairly well. But you need to know this life and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we've been entrusted is not about us. It's about the one that we pour the perfume on the feet of, that died for us, was raised from the grave, and it's changing and transforming lives here and lives that will yet to come here, lives that will come next door, whoever knows. But we are a part of the body of Christ and his church. And the gut check and the challenges and the hard things in my soul that have been going on really all year and the boards navigated this and tried our best is that it, it, we had to just come back to the heart of worship. It's not about prominence. It's about lordship. And it's about God and his kingdom and what he's doing. And I want to stay right there in that lane. At the prior church we were at in Indianapolis, it was around the year 2000, I was thinking about this. We had just moved into this huge facility back there as well, as I mentioned to you on this beautiful campus, had a 12-acre lake. And we had some staff turnover. 
And that staff turnover uh, made life challenging in that moment and caused us to question. Um, had to pare back in some senses because it was a huge project we took on. You know, you were given on your way in this morning, you were given a, a card to invite people for the holiday season. That's why you were given that card. And you were also given an offering envelope because uh, we're coming up on our year-end Christmas offering. And that year-end Christmas offering, the board... To, uh, <laughs> shared and prayed this week, and we decided that the year in Christmas offering, we're going to stick a goal to it. Uh, And and the goal we put out there is $60,000 that we could have from our year in offering. And the only way we're going to reach $60,000 is for God to work. And that's above and beyond our normal tithing, right? It doesn't help to take it out of one pocket and put it in another pocket and say, say, I gave to that offering. And now, no, that doesn't work, guys. So it's like, you know, we're stewarding well financially, what God's called us to. But on this journey of this last year here with COVID and everything else, there have been people that have moved down the state that have been core part of this church. We had to pare back our budget in-house by $100,000. And that mostly came by us moving to volunteer rather than paid staff. And God's worked in that, and that's good, and we're cool with it, and what he has for the future. But it's like, well, how do we mobilize this? And it's not about, hey, doing a year-end offering, get a bunch of money. It's like, no, we are not holding back. We're going forward in the lane to worship the one true God and be a part of the kingdom's work, and let's go together as a family. And so that's why you were given an offering envelope for the year-end Christmas offering that'll carry through to the end of the year. And give as the Lord leads you. Scripture teaches to give with a cheerful heart not reluctantly or by compulsion. But it took me back to 20, 21 years ago when we hit a hard place. It wasn't COVID then. It was just we'd moved into the building. There were some transitions of some things. And you need to know that I was was scared. I didn't know what God had for us. And we went to a big conference. And in that conference... It was a large church. I liked what they did. We've been following them. And me and an assistant pastor, we sat there as wounded individuals then saying, God, what do you have for us? And they led into a worship song. Some of you know this worship song, and I want to close with it. It's by Matt Redman called Heart of Worship. Some of you older people know the song. And in there it says, I want to get back to the heart of worship and stay clear from the other things. Because why did the other things become what it's about rather than the heart of worship? And I want to close this morning, and and I'm going to actually ask the ushers if you take your places and you can pass the baskets to receive the the connection cards and and your offerings as you would feel led to give today. Um, But as they pass the offering basket, I want you to listen to Matt Redman and his worship team, not at that conference I was at, but another large conference, sing this song. And I want you to take the series that we've been in and this understanding how easy it is to exchange one true worship for these other idols that pull us in other directions. And whether it's in the areas of money, sex, and power, or maybe it's the issues of prominence or influence or prestige or maybe pleasure or other kinds of self-interest, can you just take a moment before we leave this morning and, and do a gut check? The gut check is not with yourself, but I love the testimony this morning that the, the Father in Heaven spoke to a daughter. The Father in Heaven wants to speak to a son or a daughter 
young or old this morning, and allow this worship song, and I'm, I'm just going to tell them to loop it. I'll come up and have a brief word of prayer to let you know you'll end up being dismissed, but I want this room to be a place of sanctuary this morning, set apart for God. Uh, great to see everybody head to the outdoor area. They'll do the bounce houses for kids, hang around, have your community out there. But I want this room for the end of this series to be a sacred place because some of you maybe here today have not laid down the idol that's driving your life. And you need to return to the heart of worship, to the one true worship. Maybe it's just a song of relinquishing, like I did in my office that day when I said, okay, God, I trust you. Maybe there's consequences to your life that you're going to have to walk on the heels of as he tells you instructions. Maybe it's just a moment of endearment to his presence and you want to pour perfume. Worship him on his life. But listen to this song. I'll pray at the conclusion, but even at that conclusion, remain as God's doing a work with you. Take the community to the commons area. This is a place of sanctuary. God wants to work in your life before you leave today. Amen.